Have you ever had a double or a lookalike? In the era of social media, having someone that looks like you could just be a fun coincidence. But Laura would have us believe otherwise. In the mythology of these twin strangers, tragedy could befall you if someone sees your double. Worse yet, seeing your own would mark your certain impending death. While the threat of being replaced by such an entity appears to be nothing more than a movie trope, should we all still fear the horrible possibilities of doppelgangers? Thirteen Degrees of Screams, where we watch and dissect your favorite spooky movies. I'm your host, Alex. And Stephanie. And this is a mostly horror podcast. Each season, we will rank 13 movies on a scariness scale from, you guessed it, 1 to 13. We will uncover the real-life myths and legends that inspire these movies, and tell you just how authentic they are. This week, we go to a really depressing world that's kind of like ours, but not really in the double. Stephanie. Yes. Have you seen the double before we watched it for the podcast? No, it's... Super weird. It is. They call it a black comedy thriller. I laughed once. Where's just, the comedy? Right. I laughed one time just because it was like, you're kidding me, like at one point. like It's more just so ridiculous. Yeah. But it was not fun. It's just. No, it's not a funny out. time. <laughs> no, I was not happy. Mm-mm. Although I will say, very interestingly filmed movie. Yeah. I will give it that. I will say I was very curious on, like, where this all was going to go. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's very similar to Cam after a while. Oh? Just, you know, like, switch out professions. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. But this time, our guy knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very aware. Huh. Interesting. So we gave it a three. So this is like on the lower end of the scary scale. And I think we put it on there because it's a comedy. Yeah. But it's so bleak. It is not a comedy. I would not. I would put it higher. Again, not more so because it was scary, but it was so distressing. Yeah. And it, like I was so anxiety ridden yeah. <laughs> by watching this movie. And I'm sorry, like this last batch of movies has been kind of like a little leaning into the whole suicide thing. But like I would have like su- suicidal ideas after what this guy goes through just it's just super frustrating the whole time like obviously no one likes me no one even recognizes that i'm different from this other person and yeah i don't blame him for getting to that place yeah (laughs) i don't know did you like it first of all kind of yes but also i don't know if i'd just go out and watch it again yeah it didn't make me feel super happy it was very interesting though like Mm -hmm. the whole world building because it's like I'm sure we'll talk about it in the plot a little bit, but the world, it's like our world, but not really. Yeah. Like, he goes to work. It's like work general. Like, you don't never know what they do at this place. They say something about building databases or something. Yeah, but what the fuck? Yeah. That's and like- I thought we'd get more <laughs> into it, like, discover more as we go. No, not even really a factor. And, like, I mean, he cares about his job, whatever it is, but, you know, it's like the equivalent of, like, watching a little kid, like, typing on a keyboard, and they're like, I'm working. Yeah, that's what it feels like. We're, like, we're doing the work. Okay. Okay. And the technology is so, like, nondescript. You don't know when this takes place, Mm because the computers are, like, old, like, black and green screen, you know? Yeah. And then the printer or something, it had a little dial. It had numbers, like, one to nine, and you had dial, you used the dial to say how many copies you need. Yeah. And then... There's a copy room and there's like a copy machine that's like the length of the room mm-hmm. 
all the technology is very analog and just like a little skew. Like, yeah. And it's also like dystopian just because mm-hmm. of like how people answer and stuff like that. Like it makes you feel very like fish out of watery and very on the side of Jesse Eisenberg, at least the Simon character. <laughs> yeah. Like you feel like he's asking like reasonable questions, but people like either ignore or ask another question that's unrelated. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just got more frustrating from there. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like when you're looking at a picture. It's kind of blurry, and you're trying to, like, make out what's going on. That's what this movie felt like to me. Yeah. Or have you ever seen that picture that, like, simulates what it's like to have a stroke? Where Mm -hmm. everything is, like, somewhat recognizable, but when you look at it, you can't really tell what it is. Oh. I'll have to show you that picture. I've seen pictures like it. Whether or not that's true, but that's how how the picture online has been described as this is what it's like to have a stroke. Um, That's what it felt like, like. Everything is familiar enough that you know what's happening, but it's completely in a weird context that's different than ours. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's just stressful. I don't know. I know. Like, even the structure of the work, I don't know if you go in this in the plot, but, like, there's the colonel, who's, like, the big boss, and it's almost like a... Like, he's more like a figurehead. Yeah. Not really. Like, his, he has, like, a general manager, but he also calls him his boss, Mr. Papadopoulos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. And I mean, like, these are the bare minimums of comedy right here. Papadopoulos is a name and, like, just, like, some weird interaction that is just kind of, like, you're kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not even, like, a ha-ha. It's, like, so funny. It's just, like, what? (laughs) Also, like, the whole blurry image thing you were talking about, too, of, like, trying to make out what it really is. That's how, like, all of these scenes are cut, too. Like, he will go into one room And it'll, like, just transition into something completely different, like you expect it to be, like, another part of his work or something. But all of a sudden, he's in his apartment Mm -hmm. or whatever. But it's, like, there's really no discernible features. Everything's, like, cloaked in, like, a blackish shadow. Yeah. and Very dreary. Yeah. And then to that point, the way they cut this movie is, like, it'll be doing something and the music will be playing and it'll cut to the next scene. The music abruptly stops. Yeah. And does it a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. There's like the transitions are so abrupt. There's there's not really a transition. It's just a hard cut to the next scene. Yeah. Like the, the music doesn't even fade to the next thing. And it's just a very interesting way of editing. Yeah. Very bizarre. Yeah. I really like the filmography of this movie. <laughs> Everything else just made me so stressed, which it elicited an emotion. And I always give a movie props if it makes me feel a certain type of way. Regardless of that feeling, so... I didn't like the feeling. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, some of my favorite movies make me cry uncontrollably. <laughs> but the worst, like, I, I'll say it time and time again, the worst thing a movie could be is boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so That's true. It, that gives me no emotion. So I'll at least give it that. Yeah. But I think the disappointing part about it is, like, if you really break it down to, like, the most simplest of plots and stuff like that, it's very much like a lot of the movies that we've watched. It's just the setting is strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of the doppelganger things is just like someone weird is just shows up and tries to steal your identity or, you know, claims that they're you or, you know, it's just. Although he didn't really even claim he was him. No. Th- that's that's the interesting thing. I didn't really think about it. He doesn't claim no, to be he him. he claims to be. Someone. So his name is Simon James and this person that looks like him is James Simon. And like no one recognizes that they look alike, which is also frustrating right. to me. Like no please one. acknowledge that they must be twins or something. Like nope. no, no one says anything casually, like, oh, you look just like them. And and it's just remarkable and a lot of like aha uh-huh moments, like where you see that 
people interact with his double and with Simon and like how much disdain they show Simon, but then with his double, they're like, Oh my god, my best friend. I like I love you and Which he's the worst. Yes. And like Simon's actually like the good person. Yeah. Right. The quote unquote good person. Right. Quote unquote. Yeah. But are you ready to dive into some background? Yeah. So the double is a 2013. It says British black comedy thriller film written and directed by Richard Aoti and starring Jesse Eisenberg and Mia Wasikowska, who I know her from Alice in Wonderland, live action Alice in Wonderland. Oh, she did look familiar. Yeah. Okay. It's based on the 1846 novella The Double by Fyodor Dostoevsky about a man driven to break down when he is usurped by a doppelganger. It was produced by Alcove Entertainment with Michael Caine, Graham Cox, Tessa Ross, and Nigel Williams as executive producers. The Double has 83% on Rotten Tomatoes with the critical consensus stating... Hauntingly bleak and thrillingly ambitious, the double offers Jesse Eisenberg a pair of compelling roles while reaffirming writer-director Richard Aoti's remarkable talent. That's really all I had for it. It's it so weird that they didn't have a lot of info on it. Yeah, I mean, I probably could have found a little bit more, but it only made about $2.3 million in the box office. Hmm. And I don't think I've ever even heard of this movie. It's like, I don't remember seeing no. anything about it. No. So did it flop, technically? Did it flop? I mean, at the box, probably. Yeah. Based on box office, but, you know, people like it. just it. depends how much they cost, too, though. Yeah. Usually it's based on how much it costs to make. Yeah, I don't know what the budget was. but Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. All right. Would you like to hear about the plot? I, I yes, I do. I do yeah. want to hear about it. Let's be stressed. <laughs> Down on his luck, Simon James has worked in an office for seven years, and even though he works hard, he goes unnoticed by his boss and co-workers. He's treated and even described as a non-person, so much so that he knows that his own mother thinks of him as a disappointment. Oh, his mom's rough. Yeah. She's like, you suck. Right. <laughs> What the hell? And she says bizarre shit. Like, everybody else, like, I don't know. Everybody else is, like, on drugs or something. Like, the way they talk. Yeah. It's just off kilter. Like, everyone, like, in this world, this is, like, normal. Mm -hmm. It's not in our world. Yeah. Like, they have a, him and his mother have, like, this weird exchange where, like, they're watching a commercial for this company that he works for. And he's, like... Oh, did you see me? And she's like, which one was you? And the one that looks like he's me. like, yeah, the one that looks like me. And she's like, oh, well, he has brown hair and you don't. He's like, what do you mean? Like, I have brown hair. And then she just completely ignores that and says, I'm not going to live forever, you know? And like, she's like, so stop trying to wake me or something like that. Like, like as if she was in the middle of a nap. Mm-hmm. And Everyone talks like this. It's not just her. It's not like she's just getting older and forgetting herself. <laughs> like, yeah, it's everyone talks like this. Yeah, it's kind of like the quirky writing mm-hmm. kind of thing. But yeah, just... so from his apartment, he spies on a coworker named Hannah that lives in the building across from him, and he's infatuated with her to the point of going through her garbage to find a drawing she tore up and threw out. And I'm like, yeah, it's a little creepy. Yeah, I was going to say, mm, buddy, that's, that's not, not don't best. do that. No. And, like, the apartments face each other, so, like, you could very clearly see the like, other side. Like, she can see you. She like, sees you being a creeper. Yes. <laughs> like, 
It's right there. Mm-hmm. One night, he sees a man wave, then jump to his death from right above Hannah's apartment. He talks to detectives who explain that if the man had jumped a few feet to the right, he would have been badly hurt, but would have survived. Yeah, there's like a netting kind mm. of thing there, overhang. Yeah. And it, they said that he would have like bounced <laughs> off of it yeah. and then hit the ground. He would have been like still really hurt. It's really important that we note that right now. Mm-hmm. He would have been really hurt. Yeah. But he would have survived with medical attention. Yes. Again, asterisk with medical attention. Right. So important later. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like they show a POV shot of like what what did that look like? And like the camera like bounces off this <laughs> thing and just like yes. on the ground. Right. He goes to a diner with Hannah afterwards, who admits that she confronted the man who jumped the night before for following her. And Simon can later see bloody fingerprints on her window shade. And they never address this. The fingerprint thing was weird to me. The bloody fingerprints we kept seeing yeah. like around her but then after a while it was just kind of like forgotten yeah i didn't even think about that yeah like, like you see fingerprints like on her like little windshield blind or something like it's just like four dots of like a shape of a fingerprint oh i thought it was like paint because all of her like drawings were in there oh right? maybe that's, that's what, what it's supposed it to be because then because remember it looks so did... much like blood <laughs> yeah it's weird because she uses her fingertips to pick up the pieces of the ripped paper oh yeah so i thought, I thought that... that was just a weird quirk She's very weird. She's like a kind of on the verge of manic pixie dream girl <laughs> trope. Kind of. But she confronts him, right, about him stalking her. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, and she yelled at him and stuff like that. And I mean, I'm not saying that that's not justified, obviously. Yeah. But I don't know. Just to point out to everybody, like, hey, I yelled at him and then he jumped off the building. Right. Seems like it's kind of cause and effect. Oh, it's not. Yeah. But it's one of those things like you can't like, it's your fault because <laughs> you yelled at him. Like, yeah. Had you not done that, maybe he'd still be alive. But, like, <laughs> something you would have never known would have happened. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I guess they just kind of decided to brush it off because Simon's like, yeah, no, he seemed like he had a lot going on. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one gives a shit about this dude. He's like, anyways. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the next night, he tries to meet her at a mandatory work function, but he's kicked out for trespassing because he's constantly told that they don't have a record of him working there. He's like, I've been here seven years. Can you imagine every single day going to work? Mm-hmm. And they make him sign a visitor sheet every day, and when they don't make him do that, they have him scan a pass that they claim isn't a valid pass, mm-hmm. and he has a temporary pass, too, because of all the times he's been denied. It's just, like, you don't need to work there anymore. It's, it's too much. Yeah, this is like one of those dreams you have where you're trying to get somewhere and everything's stopping you from getting there. Mm-hmm. And everything's going wrong. Yeah. That, that, there you go. That's this good... is this kid's life. <laughs> yeah. So the next day, Simon's boss announced a new employee named James Simon will be joining them, who looks identical to Simon, causing him to faint. Assertive and charming, James is Simon's polar opposite. Much to Simon's annoyance, James not only gets respect from their co-workers, but no one seems to notice that they are identical in appearance. hmm Yeah. Like, they're wearing the same thing. Right. And it's just, no one says anything. Yeah. No, just no, nothing. <laughs> James, on the other hand, does notice this and sees Simon's pain. Out of pity, he decides to buddy up with Simon and give him advice about how to seduce Hannah. Hannah then asks James on a date through Simon, and on the date, Simon pretends to be James with the real James giving him instructions via earpiece in the bathroom. This is like reverse Dead Ringers. Yeah, kind of. When Simon becomes nervous, the two swap places and James kisses Hannah, angering Simon. Because they, like, fight at the door, Mm -hmm. and then he, like, hits her. (laughs) 
Do you yeah, remember? Yeah, like they look like they're in a borderline abusive fight. And yeah, did he, he hit her? He hits. Yeah, he hits her, and then she's like. Like, it looks like it turned around a little bit. Uh, and then they start kissing. And then the whole place stands up and starts. claps for them. <laughs> it's weird. Yes. Yeah. So this whole scenario obviously upsets Simon. And the next day, you know, after all of this havoc, James asks Simon to take an aptitude test in his place and seduces their boss's surly, rebellious daughter, Melanie, whom Simon was instructed to tutor, something he's reluctant to do. This character was so unnecessary yeah. melanie she's like uh kind of like a goth mm-hmm. chick alternative and she, I, I think the important thing is she's underage oh i'm, I I'm even... pretty sure yeah and i don't know if they're tutoring her you know yeah so i like, assume she's like in high school yeah i don't know but this whole family is like leaders of this company yeah she does not give a shit she doesn't want to be there but james gets her to like like it yeah, yeah. weird Simon gets his revenge on James by revealing to Hannah that James is cheating on her with Melanie. Furious, James blackmails Simon for his apartment keys using explicit photos he took of himself with Melanie, knowing their boss will believe it is Simon in the photos. Which is fucking crazy. Because they will not say anything that they look alike in real life, but the second, like, here's a picture. Yeah, all he has to say, it's Simon, and you're like, oh yeah, Simon's an asshole. What? (laughs) What do you mean? It's the same person. At work, Simon accuses James of being an imposter and is fired after going on a maniacal tirade. Like he takes someone's amputated arm. (laughs) It's prosthetic. Yeah, it's prosthetic and starts trying to beat people with it to keep them away from him. He's like, yeah. He's demanding to see the colonel. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, he's hit his breaking point. Mm -hmm. I don't blame him. He's like, fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) He's like off the rails. But yeah, he just like takes this guy's arm off and is like waving it around. And the whole time they're calling him Stanley. Like, (laughs) they're like, Stanley, give him back his arm. Like, (laughs) oh, it hurts. It hurts to watch. so weird. As he is about to kill himself, he sees Hannah lying unconscious in her apartment. He calls an ambulance and accompanies her to the hospital, where it is revealed that she not only overdosed, but also miscarried. She had become pregnant after a sexual encounter with James, which I thought was weird, but... Yeah, that... uh, I mean, the whole thing is weird. Yeah, but that wasn't necessary, I felt. Yeah, uh, I thought so, too. And plus, like, it feels like James has only really been in their life for, like, a week. Yeah, feels like... At the most? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, funny little tidbit here, the intake nurse that's talking to him about, like, all of her symptoms and, like, you know, like, what happened uh, is uh, one of the guys from IT crowd. Oh, really? Leg-disabled guy. I, I have never really seen oh, that show. Oh, it's such a good show. I've seen, like, bits and pieces, but I've never, like, there's just, watched it. There's just one really, really good episode about... One of the guys using a handicapped bathroom just because it's more convenient. But then he gets kind of like caught and he just pretends to be disabled. Oh my God. <laughs> so then he doesn't get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah. Simon then takes Hannah back home, relieved that she has survived. Still upset, however, Hannah states that she wanted to die and she suggests that Simon goes and kills himself. This part, I was like, fuck this girl. Right. You do not say that like, to anyone. You don't like, know. Mm hmm. She goes through Simon's jacket pockets and discovers earrings he had bought for her and her salvaged art. So he had actually, like, taken all of these little pieces of art that she'd ripped up and pieced them back together in, like, a little notebook for uh-huh. himself, I guess. Yeah. And now all of a sudden she's like, oh. oh. it's so sweet. And, wow, he's the good one. Like You just told him to 
So like, mm-hmm. no, 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 yeah. no, thank you. I was like, so mm-mm. screw this girl. Yes. And then another also completely unnecessary and odd scene. Simon learns his mother has died and finds James at her funeral. And like the place, like, uh, I don't know, like the retirement home, I guess you want to call it. It's not really descript. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just a bunch of old people hanging out in this one room. Mm-hmm. They call him and say that she's died. They're burying her at midnight if you want to come. Like, yeah, I think I want to attend my mom's burial. Like, Yeah, and it's like right outside the doors of a place. It's like a, I don't know. I, you don't know. You yeah, don't, all these buildings are so nondescript. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, your mom died if you want to come. I'm like, what? It's just like a message on the answering machine, too. It's not yeah. like they tried real hard to get a hold of him. No, I was like, what is going on? Yeah, and uh, James is there and a whole bunch of random people. Yeah. So Simon punches him and discovers that they share injuries. As James's nose bleeds, so does Simon's. He finds Hannah and tells her he wants to be noticed. He goes to his apartment and handcuffs the sleeping James to his bed then goes to the ledge above Hannah's apartment, steps to the right, and jump. Also, uh, they buried him, too. Like, the crowd chased him at the funeral and buried him. He came out of the dirt. No, he was just laying next to it. Oh. Oh, it was just after his mom yeah, was buried. So oh. It looked like it, and then they just panned. He was just laying next oh, to the mom. Oh, okay. I didn't he know if he had, he had already unburied himself at I don't point. think so, because it wasn't unburied. He would have had to rebury it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think so, because he did fall into the hole, didn't he? Yes, that's why it was confusing. I mean, okay, so let me put it this way. If he did get buried, they didn't show it. Because mm-hmm. they show him laying next to the grave, but it's already reburied, so I uh-huh. don't know. If- okay. It just looks like such like a big mound. Like, they didn't, like, make it flat with the earth. Yeah. It's just like a huge mound of dirt. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I thought at first, too, but I, I was like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just another million strange things that happen. Yeah. So, yeah, he decides that he keeps comparing himself to Pinocchio. He says that he doesn't want to be a puppet anymore. He doesn't want to be a boy with strings. And funny enough, like, James used that to seduce Hannah, and she quotes that back to him at one point. And he's like, oh, I feel like Pinocchio, too. And she's like, Psst. <laughs> like, no. 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 <laughs> but I guess now that Hannah sees it in the right light, <laughs> they cool. So he goes to a, above Hannah's apartment, steps to the right, and jumps. He's badly hurt. Hannah runs to him, and an ambulance arrives. Lacking medical attention, the handcuffed James appears to be on the brink of death as he lies motionless on the apartment floor. Yeah, so to tie it back to the beginning, he bounced off the netting. Yes, and I mean, so he's hurt. Like, he's clearly bleeding oh, from his out head. Oh, of his head, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but he's alive. And we see that James kind of watched this whole scenario happen from the window. Like he had pulled his handcuffed hand on the bed towards the window to see. And then he falls on the floor and he's just bleeding out of his head kind of motionless. But he's you can still see he's kind of there. Yeah. Not for long. No. Because, again, Simon's getting medical attention and he's not. Mm Mm-hmm. Inside the ambulance, the colonel and Hannah watch over Simon. But the colonel's there. What I'm the f- like, what, the colonel, what, how did he get here? Like, <laughs> Why is he here? He, the colonel was never in the same scene as Simon. No. The colonel tells Simon that he is special, to which the latter responds with a half smile. I'd like to think I'm pretty unique. And that's how it ends. No. So how, how do you feel about the fact we never really learn what the deal is? With James. With and James. he just shows up. And they share Everything. Inj- injuries. Yeah. I don't know. 
I don't think you're really supposed to think about it, honestly. Otherwise, they would have explained it. Yeah, no, I don't. I I feel like it's one of those things that they didn't need explaining, especially in this universe where nothing is really explained all mm-hmm. that much. Mm-hmm. That you kind of just take it at face value. Yeah, and I think it's one. Of the, I don't know. I feel like I say this all the time. That I feel like it's better that they didn't explain it because a lot. Of, I've said this before. A lot of times when they do explain things, I'm kind of like rolling my eyes at that point. So I'm kind of like, yeah, you know what? That's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't. Th- I feel like just because of the tone of the movie and the world, it's in mm-hmm. no one else questions it so why should we yeah worry about I feel it like the moral of it is to like just try to be more confident and assertive in yourself so yeah. then be unique. you're you're not like replaced <laughs> by a better you technically yeah, yeah. even like, though this guy was a piece of shit he was <laughs> he was the worst he was he was the worst just you know what the moral of the story is be an asshole and there you go mm-hmm. i guess so i don't know whatever Do you want to hear about some creepy cases of mistaken identity? Yeah, I do. So, uh, according to Google. 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 My source is Googs. (laughs) It's the Googs. (laughs) Mistaken identity is a defense in criminal law, which claims the actual innocence of the criminal defendant and attempts to undermine evidence of guilt by asserting that any eyewitness to the crime incorrectly thought that they saw the defendant when in fact the person seen by the witness was someone else and they also suggest that it's a situation in which someone or something is mistakenly thought to be someone or something else and i have some very unfortunate examples unfortunate yes wait what do you mean this this doesn't end well for everyone no it doesn't wait so this is an article on misconceptions by list first it's called Top 10 Unfortunate Cases of Mistaken Identity by Oliver Taylor. And one of the most tragic ones, I thought, was this case about Laura Van Ryn and Whitney Zirak. Mm-hmm. And on April 26, 2006, Robert Spencer was driving on a highway when he fell asleep at the wheel and crashed his truck into a school van in the opposite lane. Uh. Four students and one staff member of Taylor University in Indiana were killed in the van. Among the dead students was Laura Van Ryn, whose body was mistaken for that of Whitney Serac, okay. who survived but was seriously injured. Believing that their daughter was dead, Whitney's distraught family buried Laura's body, while Laura's family watched over Whitney as she recovered, thinking she was Laura. So they swapped? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. The mix-up was discovered after Laura awakened from a coma and identified herself as Whitney. Apparently, both ladies had blonde hair and similar features, even though they could be easily differentiated. The mix-up happened because emergency medical services mistook Laura's ID for Whitney's. The mistake Uh, was not detected earlier because Whitney's head was bandaged before she was taken to the hospital. Whitney returned to school four months after the accident, while Spencer, the truck driver, was sent to prison for two years. Oh, my. That's so. Oh, my God. That's heartbreaking for the family who thinks. Yeah. Right. They're. Oh, they're. Oh, my God. And then, like, But they're also really relieving for the other family. Oh, right. But still, like, going through the grief of, like, bearing a daughter and then realizing she's there. And then going through the relief of, like, oh, my God, my daughter survived. But then realize she didn't. The shock of it all. Yeah. Yeah, no. Even if you were to find out that, like, your family did survive it, like, the shock of that alone, even though it's a good thing, is probably a lot to handle. Because you, to your point, you went through all the stages of grief probably at that right. point or, you know, in the process of it. And to have that, like, completely switched probably, like, does something to you. Yeah. 
And now there's another case of Will West and William West. Before fingerprinting became the norm, security and prison agencies depended on the Bertolin system, which used the measurements of several parts of a person's body to identify criminals. The Bertolin system was thought to be foolproof until 1903 when an inmate called Will West arrived at prison in Leavenworth. Will's measurements were taken just like any other prisoners until a prison worker claimed that Will had been incarcerated at Leavenworth before. Will denied it, and the clerk provided Will's file based on his chest measurement. It was at this moment that things went south. The file not only contained Will's measurement, but also his picture and name, which was written as William West. Even Will agreed that the picture was his, but he could not understand how the prison had obtained it since he had never been there. As it turned out, Will and William were lookalikes. The incident forced the government to reconsider the effectiveness of the Bertolin system and the possibility of switching to fingerprints. And I can even show you the pictures. They look very... Do they really? Mm-hmm. But they have like a very similar name? That's what they're like exact. And, and their the names odds? are similar because Will and Will. William. and yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm Will sure William, William went by Will. So yes. it's just two Will West at that point. Right. Jeez. One more. That's like people with like uh, very common last names. Like the odds of you sharing a name with someone else is yes. like pretty high. So to be potentially mistaken for someone with your same name, mm-hmm. especially if they're bad, like that's the whole different thing. That's not great. No. On May 26, 2006, Chad South entered Daniel Ott's home in Burton Township. And this is the case or situation of Daniel Ott and Daniel Ott. Are they spelled the same? Yes, exactly the oh, same. Oh, okay. Jeez. So Chad South entered Daniel Ott's home in Burton Township, Ohio, and this was May 26 of 2006, and shot him dead. South was a hitman and had been working for Joe Rosebrook, a criminal who ran a chop shop where he tore down stolen vehicles and sold their parts. Ott was a car thief whom Rosebrook had hired earlier to murder an associate, Curtis Frazier. Instead of killing Frazier, Ott snitched on Rosebrook, who was sent to prison in 2004. The murder of Daniel Ott by Chowd South would have been Rosebrook's revenge, except that South killed the wrong Daniel Ott. The only similarity between both Daniels was their name and the fact that they lived in Ohio. Rosebrook and his accomplices were charged with Daniel Ott's murder after nine years of investigations. (sighs) So, like, they just didn't have any reference to him. They just had a name, I guess, and went with it. Wow. That's like, have you heard about that one case where these guys... Like, kidnapped these other guys and tortured them for, like, a day or so because they thought it was someone else they were trying to get revenge on. No. Yeah, I forget where it was, but they were, like, tortured for days or something like that. Yikes. I don't have the names or anything pulled up on me, but, yeah, they got the wrong people. And they're like, no, that's that's not us. We don't even know who you are. And they're like. That's awful. Yeah. No, no, no. No, no good. Okay. Oh, this is a three-way one. A three? What does that mean? A three-way one? Three Robert P. Casey's. Oh, my gosh. So Robert P. Casey was a top Democratic Party member and Pennsylvania politician. He was very active in Pennsylvania politics, where he served as a state senator, the state auditor general, and the governor. He was also popular, so popular that voters elected the similarly named Robert E. Casey as state treasurer in 1976 because they thought he was Robert P. Casey. Robert (laughs) E. was county official who rode on Robert P.'s popularity and spent a mere 1,000 on his campaign. So he got a lot of extra benefit from that. The sort of incident was not an isolated one for Robert P. Casey. 
During another election, a school teacher and ice cream seller named Robert P. Casey ran on the Democratic Party's ticket for Pennsylvania lieutenant governor to the detriment of the real Robert P. Casey, who was running for governor at the same time. What are the... Okay, so now that's just weird because now they're both running for office Mm -hmm. and they have the same exact name. See, something funky's going on there, like some kind of weird cosmic... Something's broken. (laughs) Some... The Matrix. Something in the Matrix because... That is bizarre. I swear I've heard of instances like that where someone shares a name and they end up having like the same exact life mm-hmm. as each other. It's crazy. Stuff like that. Like I oh, oh no, what was it? There yeah, that's what it was. It was this story about someone wrote like a note for a pen pal, tied it to a balloon, and it floated away and it, you know, landed in someone else's backyard, landed in someone's backyard with the same name, same everything, like all these things lined up. Now, granted, might not be true, but it was all in the news and stuff, and they did stories about it. So whether or not it's true or not, but... Someone decided to report on it. Yeah. So I've heard of instances like that where, like, people are sharing the same name, have, like, very similar life paths, which is, like, interesting to think about. Because I've heard, like, like numerology and stuff. Yeah. Like, people will share numbers or, like, similar. Right. And, like, i probably completely wrong about that, but, you know... That's crazy, Same though. life paths. Yeah, I must have been like a little kid to think that a note on a balloon. Yeah, it was a little kid person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, but it was like a a little boy who landed another boy had like the same amount of siblings. Damn. That all that crazy stuff. Wow, that's crazy. So to prevent a repeat of this uh, situation, (laughs) the the real Robert P. Casey used the real Bob Casey committee as his tagline for his successful 1986 election as governor. So. But if you never he knew, won after all, yeah. But if you didn't know what they look like, you would never. You'd be like, "Are you sure it's the real?" Yeah. Like, How would I know if I don't? What have if a the picture? other guy says he's the real Robert? P. The real, real Robert. <laughs> right. P. Then you're in trouble because you can't you can't triple yeah. up now. The real, Jeez. real, 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 real. The real, 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 the real, 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 real Stephanie from Thirteen Degrees. Oh no, green. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show and listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, giving us a five-star rating is super helpful, and we would always appreciate it. You can follow us on social media at 13 Degrees of Screams. This has been 13 Degrees of Screams, and we will see you next week. I don't know what song to sing. There you go. You just sang. A song. It's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. I really, I seriously had no idea.